it's good to uh, have the Parson family join us this morning and really special time to have the girls do uh, our children's ministry. They reminded me of a post I saw this week. You know, there's, there's a part of this quarantine that I'm going to miss, which has been some of the humor that's come out. And some, someone posted, uh, your dog has been watching you. Uh, you've been at home for the past month. And you're, what's going through your dog's mind is, I love you so much. You quit your job just to be home with me. <laughs> and then some of us have cats at home. And so your cat over this month has just been staring at you. And what's going through the cat's mind is, I knew it. I knew you'd lose your job. (laughs) So our stay-at-home order expired uh, on Thursday. And we now have an open Texas plan that's in effect. And um, I know that we're all ready. We're ready for the quarantine uh, to be over. We're, We're tired of being separated from each other. There's difficulties that have been associated with that. I think we're tired of the uncertainty. We don't know, uh, gosh, is this virus going to infect us or not infect us? There's still a lot of death from this. Our eyes are on our economy. The stock market is going down. Uh, That uncertainty, I think, is also kind of married to this desire that all of us have is that we wish we could control uh, what is happening, and, and we can't. And so when our governor comes out with, uh, okay, we're going to start returning to whatever normal is, we're going we're to open up Texas, I know that we're really anxious and we're really ready. But the question that has been going through my mind and one that I think our leadership as a church, we, we've got to grapple with, is it really time? Is it time for us to begin to open up? Is it time for us to begin opening our building? And then it really kind of leads to uh, how do you objectively answer that question? If we were going to answer it subjectively, it'd be, yes, we're so ready. (coughs) But what about objectively? So I want to just kind of go through the process a little bit with you. So one way to objectively answer are we ready to open up is to review the federal guidelines. I mean, these is, this has come from the White House, and this is what those guidelines say. This is a quote. The White House reopening plan, which is called Gating Criteria, is this. It recommends that states hold off on reopening non-essential businesses until those states see a 14-day decline in flu-like illness and positive COVID-19 tests. Two, hospitals can treat all the patients that would be sick. And number three, there is a robust testing program that includes antibiotic testing that confirmed whether someone has been exposed to the virus. So those, that's the criteria. So if we're going to begin to open up, the recommendation from the White House is 14-day decline in flu-like illness, positive COVID-19 tests, Hospitals have the capacity to treat all patients that are sick. And there's a robust testing program that includes antibody testing that can confirm exposure to the coronavirus. So how is Comal County doing in following those recommendations? Well, the good news, got one good news. Good news 
is we live in a big county and only 56, I don't want to diminish that, I mean, I'm sad that those 50, I'm sorry, it's 58, those 58 people have tested positive with this virus. Uh, so I'm, I'm really, I didn't call the hospital, but I think both of our hospitals, there's capacity. If people got sick, there's room for them. Now, here's some not so good news. Uh, we have not seen a two-week decline in positive testing for the COVID-19. And again, I'm, I'm extremely grateful that there hasn't been a huge spike. It's been a kind of the slowest one or two people, three people a day. But since uh, we've been quarantined, there has been an increase in infections in our county. So we are not passing that recommendation. The other is, again, not so good news, uh, we don't really have a robust testing system. If you look at the county health uh, department page, uh, there was a huge drop in testing that began April 14th through the end of the month. I don't know exactly why there was that huge drop-off, but there was. We now have a couple of drive-through testing sites, so maybe things will improve with the testing. But our county, according to the criteria set by the federal government, we're not there. We're, we're not there. It's not time to open up safely. And again... I want to. I'm so ready. I mean, I mean, social distancing is not in my DNA. Uh, I don't like being in a room with people that I can't hug. So uh, we, we still have to make the right decision uh, as a local church. Uh, and I, I don't want to be I don't want to be like overly dramatic, but I do need to point out that. There was a certain denomination who resisted the stay-at-home orders. Uh, they determined as a denomination it was their God-given right to continue to meet as a church, and so they did. And uh, sadly, the result of that is 12 to 30 pastors in that denomination have died from this virus. Well, I would say that is paying too, way too high a price uh, for not uh, considering limiting our rights until there's a well-being for everybody and we can move forward. So basically what I want to come to is the New Testament allows us to at times to assert our rights. We have certain rights, they're God-given, we want to at times assert those. Then again, there are times when we want to choose, we choose to limit our rights for the well-being and health of, of others. So I want to take you to those places in the New Testament that I want to take you to one final place that I think will really help us, I hope, in determining how we move forward. Well, the first, I want you to join me in Jerusalem with Paul. So Paul has been busy in the Gentile world. He comes back to J Jerusalem and is reporting all the great things that God is doing among the Gentiles. He also brings with him a couple of Gentile followers of Jesus. And uh, he wants to debrief the Jerusalem. This is what God's been doing. This, we want you to know this is what God's been doing. And at the same time, the, the leaders of the church in Jerusalem say, Well, Paul, we also need to tell you that there's a few rumors about your ministry. 
And some are saying that you're saying to Jewish background believers, hey, stop following Torah. And so we kind of need you to, to do something. So Paul agrees, as a Jew, uh, that he would participate in a Jewish rite of purification. So let me jump into and just read you a little bit. When the seven days of the purification were nearly up, some Jews from around Ephesus spotted Paul in the temple. At once, they turned the place upside down. They grabbed Paul. They started yelling at the top of their lungs, Help! You Israelites, help! This is the man who is going all over the world telling lies against us and our religion in this place. He's even brought Gentiles in here and defiled this holy temple. Parenthetical note by Luke. What had happened was that they'd seen Paul and Trophimus, the Ephesian Greek, walking together in the city. And they just assumed that Paul had taken Trophimus into the temple and shown him around. Soon the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. People running from everywhere to the temple to get in on the action. They grabbed Paul. They dragged him outside. They locked the temple gates so he could not get back in and gain sanctuary. Uh, that meant he couldn't get back into the temple where he could not be murdered. So to drag him into the streets <coughs> to kill him. So then the word got to the captain of the Roman guard. A riot. The whole city's boiling over. So they acted swiftly. The soldiers, the centurions ran to the scene at once. And as soon as the mob saw the captain and the soldiers, they quit beating Paul. <coughs> Would you get me a little bit of water? Paul is arrested by the Roman soldiers, handcuffed. He's taken to the military bar uh, barracks. And before entering the fortress, Paul asks the captain if he can talk to the crowd. So he's given permission. And before he finishes, the crowd erupts in anger again. So Paul is taken into the military fortress, and this is where he kind of picked the story up. By now, the Roman captain is thoroughly exasperated. He decided to interrogate Paul under torture in order to get to the bottom of this, to find out what he had done that provoked the outrage and the violence. So they spread eagled him with, with thongs. They, they carried him, ready to whip him. And Paul said to the centurion standing there, Is it legal to torture a Roman citizen without a fair trial? Thank you. When the centurion heard this, he went directly to the captain. Do you realize what you've done? This man is a Roman citizen. The captain came back and took charge. Is what I hear right? You're a Roman citizen? Paul said, I certainly am. The captain was impressed. I paid a huge sum of money for my citizenship. How much did it cost you? Paul said, nothing cost me nothing. I was born a citizen of Rome. That put an end to the interrogation and it put an end to Paul's whipping. It put fear into the captain. He'd, he'd about put a Roman citizen uh, to torture without a fair trial. You see, see, Paul was a Roman citizen 
And as, as a citizen, he, he knew he had the right to a fair trial before punishment. So when it was needed, Paul asserted his rights as a citizen of Rome. But he also didn't do that all the time. In another place in the New Testament, Paul enjoyed um, the freedom of saying, I'm going to limit my rights. In, in 1 Corinthians 9, this is a little bit... I, I, the nutshell is that Paul, as an apostle, was deserving of certain rights given to, to him and the rest of the apostles by the church. Let me read some and see if it makes sense. Am I not free, Paul writes? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you, are you not my work in the Lord? If I were not an apostle to others, at least I am to you. For the, you're the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to our food and drink? Do we not have the right to be accompanied by a believing wife, as do the other apostles and brothers of the Lord and Cephas? So the answer to those questions is, yes. You have a right as an apostle. You have rights as an apostle. Now the kicker is, Paul comes back after the obvious answer is yes. You deserve these rights. And he says, nevertheless, we have not made use of this right. We have not made use of this right. Two times following an obvious yes, we have not made use of this right. Paul was free to say no. I'm not taking that right. So on the one hand, when it was important for him to state his rights, to assert his rights, he did. At another time, he was free to say no. So then it really brings it to us. What about us? You see, I believe that right now, in the presence, we have every right to meet together. At the other, on the other hand, we have every right not to meet together. And so it really is, well, how do you determine? How do you determine the path forward? So I want to bring us to Jesus. I'm really glad that we, we said, we sang sweetly broken. So that's the posture. In the midst of this, we, the followers of Jesus, we must be sweetly broken. So listen to these words in Philippians 2. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion, any sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. He emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself. 
became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now that's just one quick reading. I would encourage you to go back to that passage in Philippians 2. And that, that would be a meditation for the week. Because it really asks this question of us, those of us following Jesus, what is our attitude in these days? Yes, we have rights. Yes, we have freedom not to assert those rights. But what's our attitude? Do we have the same mind as Jesus? Does that attitude direct us towards sacrificing for the well-being of others? Or are we beating our crosses, demanding our rights? Or are we placing ourselves on the cross in order to lay aside our rights for the well-being of others? We're to be like Jesus in every way. So I want to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Because we can't be like Jesus without the help of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Bring encouragement. Bring consolation. Bring fellowship. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us with compassion and sympathy. Holy Spirit, give us the thoughts and emotions of Jesus. Holy Spirit, make us one with each other. Put an end to any selfish ambition or conceit. Holy Spirit, grant us humility to lay down our rights for the well-being and health of others. In Jesus' name. We want to follow the Holy Spirit. We want to be like Jesus as we move forward in making the decision about regathering. So stay tuned. Please pray for the leadership of River City Vineyard as we talk together, pray together, and seek to do what is best for our community and for our neighbors. Uh, we love you, and we will continue to meet like this uh, until we really believe it is safe for us to begin coming back together. As we say goodbye, I want to invite each of us to come and give a word of farewell, and then I'll, I'll finish off at the very end. So please come and say farewell this morning. <laughs>